0: Mac Power Users Episode 14: Buying and Selling a Mac. Welcome back to another edition of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside my co-host David Sparks. How are you this evening, David? I'm doing great, Katie. Good. This is a um a topic that I've that's kind of been on the list for a while. You know, we've got this list that just seems to see growing as we get ideas from our listeners. But um, I had kind of an interesting experience this past weekend. I was um, helping a, a Mac friend of mine set up a Mac that she had bought used from other people. And you know, it was just kind of a calamity of errors and the types of things that that went wrong and how this other person gave her the Mac. And I thought, you know, this is probably a pretty good show topic because Most of the people listening to this podcast at some time will buy or will sell their Mac. Well, let's, uh, I guess let's dig on right in. So the first, I guess most people, when they buy their Mac, buy a new Mac, first owner, out of the store type deal.
1: Yeah, I think generally the first Mac you buy is a new one, but that's not always the case.
0: One of the hardest things about especially for for new switchers to the mac platform is figuring out which mac they need to buy and i find that people who are new to the mac especially tend to overthink what they actually need a mac and and what type of mac they want because have you noticed everybody wants a mac pro and nobody wants a mac mini
1: well i think that's not just a a disease that new mac buyers have i think just about everybody uh wants to get a little more than they need. And sometimes it just makes sense. Well, I'll just go buy the pro just because it has that word pro on it. Those three letters are give it some magical quality. Maybe those are the ones that have extra unicorn tears. But a lot of times I, when I talk to people and find out what they really are looking to use it for. And that's really the key question. When someone asks you, well, what are you going to use it for? You'll find that they don't need necessarily the biggest, baddest, most expensive Mac out there.
0: In fact, most people, when you ask them, they say, oh, you know, I do email and web and, you know, Facebook and, you know, maybe some photos and maybe some video. And, you know, the, the reality is any modern Mac will do all those things and do all those things quite well for a lot of time to come.
1: I think the, the magic word is video. When someone says I do video, then you immediately assume they need a really powerful one. And I think you need to ask the follow-up question, what kind of video are you going to do? Because like Lauren from Microsoft, not everybody's going to make movies. They may be just doing some video.
0: (laughs) You know, with one of these little flip Mino cameras. But yeah, not everybody is uh, Hugh Jackman um, doing a feature film on a Mac.
1: And frankly, uh, the uh, the lower end Macs are just fine for most videos. I mean, I can't get over how great my iMac is, but maybe we'll talk about that in a little bit.
0: Right. So one of you can pretty easily narrow the Mac line down pretty quickly just by answering the question: laptop or desktop?
1: Yeah, and that's kind of a call on needs and wants.
0: Right. For, for most people, you know, it seems that notebooks are gaining in popularity. Apple is selling more notebooks than they are desktop machines. I think that's a pretty, um, general, happening generally across the board, whether it's Macs or PCs. Um, for a lot of people, these new MacBooks are, are, are are great deals and they you know i've i've got a mac notebook that is my primary mac and i just set it up to act like a desktop when i'm at a desktop so whenever somebody tells me they might travel with it or they're thinking about doing this i always tend to steer them more to the notebook realm
1: yeah uh, that being said though it's really easy to say well I, I keep it on the desk all the time but i might want to move it once in a while And then I ask them, well, do you have a notebook and how often have you moved it? I mean, I know know people who have laptops that sit on their desk all the time. They're always plugged in. And they're nothing but really a a miniaturized desktop computer. And if that's the case, you're you're better off saving a little money and getting a bigger screen and going with the iMac line.
0: Sure. And I think most people will tell you, oh, yeah, I plan to travel with it. But I I think you're absolutely right. You have to ask the follow-up and say, okay, well, how often do you really?
1: Yeah. I mean, you're adding expense when you go portable. Uh, You're adding expense and you're getting a smaller screen. And frankly, you know, I don't think they're, you know, because they've got all the electronics, you know, mushed into the smaller package, I think you're kind of asking for more reliability problems as well.
0: Right. And then, so once you, you make the jump, okay, I need a desktop or I need a notebook machine, I find that most people tend to try to talk themselves, like we said, up in the spectrum. Oh, I need a MacBook Pro, not a MacBook. Or you know, I need the quad core iMac, not the regular iMac. Or you know, the the octo core um, Power Mac. So how how do you help them from that point now that they've got it narrowed down?
1: You talk about what they're going to do with it and what software they're going to use. I think that's kind of the qualifier for me. If I talk to someone, they say, "Yeah, I'm going to be running Final Cut." I say, "Okay, you need a MacBook Pro with some with some juice to it." If they tell me, yeah, I want to make movies, I say, well what where do you make movies now? Well I'm not really sure, but I think iMovie might help me make some movies, then I know they're really not they're not as deep into it and they may not need as much processing power. I mean you just kind of look at their needs. I mean the geeks that are listening to this show know the you know the hot button issues like they want to do gaming, you know, which you may not even you may want to steer them away from a Mac at that point, or if they want to do video or they want to do something that's very graphics intensive. Uh, then you want to look at the higher-end machine. But I think, like I said earlier, a lot of this stuff is overkill. I mean, uh, just in my case, I use a MacBook for my daily computing. Uh, it's not a MacBook Pro, and it works just fine.
0: Well, that's another interesting point, because you talk about the geeks that listen to this show, and and I'm sure most of the people who listen to this show have a pretty good grasp on what they need or or at least on, on what they want and can justify that. Um but one of the things that i found is that we geeks really like to switch people over to the mac and we really like to get them set up and sometimes it's very easy for us to live vicariously with someone else's money
1: yeah so (laughs) but but show some consideration if you're moving someone over to the mac one of the things you want them to understand is that this apple tax is is really propaganda more than anything else and you don't need to have them go buy the $2,700 17-inch MacBook Pro when, you know, the $1,000 MacBook may be all they need. You know, they're doing email right. and web surfing. You know, don't don't make it so expensive for them that they regret the purchase.
0: Right. Um, and that kind of brings us to a, another thought of, okay, well, you've you've done your research. You've, you've got an idea of what you want. Where do you actually buy your Mac? And this is a lot easier question, or I guess you have a lot more options now than you did say even three to five years ago because i know actually where i'm living now even as recently as the last two years i could not buy a mac locally
1: well that's not the case anymore for a lot of people
0: Right. so first and foremost is obviously the apple store which is like the mecca of all things mac
1: yeah Uh I have a friend in Arizona who was just telling me he's got to drive two hours to get to his Apple store. I do too now. Really?
0: I I went from living two minutes to two hours. So that, that was the biggest part of this move for me.
1: You shouldn't have moved. I know. Shouldn't have. (laughs) Anyway. Well, you know, I agree. I think the Apple store is a great place to go to buy. Uh, they, they've really done something spectacular in terms of retail space. It's a great experience going in there. Um, I don't know if you remember, but it used to be going in a computer store. You really felt like these lecherous guys were there cause they were, everybody was on commission right. and you know, it was like vultures descending upon you. Uh, they had the advice I would get at computer stores. Very rarely did I trust it even when I probably should have because of that culture. And, and you know, actually I used to sell computers. I know what it's like, they, you know, they come in and say, look, we got to get rid of these machines and, they want you to push them so I don't really uh, I didn't really like buying computers at stores and I was always doing build my own or whatever and then when I decided to go to Mac or back to Mac the Apple Store had already been in existence and that was my first uh, purchase back into the world of Apple right. and it's a, just a great experience they're friendly they're not on commission they truly are looking to hook you up with the right machine um, I have never had the experience of someone at the Apple Store pushing me to buy a bigger machine have you
0: no, I haven't in fact it's it's usually been me trying to convince myself and probably the Apple rep, no no, 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 I really need something more high end than this, yeah,
1: and there's other benefits to buying at the Apple store. they have the the one year of one to one training, which the last time I checked was a hundred dollars. I don't know if that's still the case, but you know that's like one class a week for fifty two weeks, so that's what about two dollars a lesson. Right, and you can learn everything uh, from some very qualified people if you take that class.
0: And I think they've limited it. You you used to be able to walk in and buy one to one at any point, but I think now you can. I think you have to buy it when you buy a new Mac. I double. I'll double check those qualifications. No, that's true.
1: You have to. You can only get it now when you buy the new Mac. It used to be people would do it for years and renew it, and uh, I guess they decided they couldn't afford that loss leader. Yeah. But, uh, um, but, but that's
0: a great gift for somebody, especially, you know, if someone who's getting a Mac or getting a Mac this holiday season. I mean, what better gift to give them than, okay, this is, number one, you can stop bugging me. Here's someone who will answer <laughs> all of your questions.
1: Yeah. A, a few things I think you need to watch out for when you're going to the Apple store is they really push hard on um, Apple Care, Right. And they really push hard on MobileMe. That's that's always been my impression. Maybe that's something they get a bonus on. I don't know. But uh, it's always like, oh, you want mobile me. Right. And you want Apple care. Right. And um, you can buy that stuff elsewhere cheaper. Right. Uh, Sometimes if you tell them, hey, I'm going to go on Amazon and buy it, then they'll give you a discount. Uh, But not always.
0: So one of the great things about the Apple store is it's obviously all there. You can compare models side by side. And in fact, something I would even encourage, especially now because Apple stores are so busy, you can actually go online and set up an appointment with a personal shopper. Um, but I mean, I uh, probably something you should really only do when you're, when you're pretty serious because obviously you don't want to waste anybody's time. But, um, lots of benefits to getting hands on at the Apple store. And especially if you're kind of going back and forth between what do I need? you can get it there. One of the, and perhaps disadvantages, is that while the Apple Store, you know, has great advantages that you can typically walk out with what you want that day, Um, they have most of the base configurations in stock, unless for some reason they're sold out of that particular configuration, Um, and you can do some upgrades in the store at the time of purchase. But my understanding is that those upgrades are typically a little more expensive than if you were to custom configure them on the Apple Online Store. Have you ever done any upgrades in-store at the time of
1: purchase? Yeah, recently I bought a a new iMac, well, about, I guess, eight months ago. And I always go buy the RAM elsewhere. And I've I've got to know a lot of the people in the Irvine Apple Store because I, well, I wonder why. But anyway... Uh, so I went in there and they said, hey, uh, why don't you upgrade it to the RAM? I said, yeah, I'm going to, but I'm not going to pay your you know, king's ransom. And they said, oh, it's got a lot cheaper. And it indeed did. I think it cost me uh, $90 to go from 2 to 4 gigs. And I was pricing it online at the time. It was about $70, so that was only $20 more. And it was Apple RAM, you know, so they could never claim later that I you know, screwed the computer up by using you know, inappropriate RAM and they upgraded it for me right there. And it was worth $20 to me, frankly, to just have it done.
0: Yeah. The other option, which is where I've bought my machines for years, uh, has been the Apple online store. And one of the reasons I really like the Apple online store is that they had the custom build to order options. Where you could, you know, most of the Macs now are come in pretty standard configurations that work for most people, but you can add more RAM. You can add more hard drive. You used to be able to configure different video cards depending on the type of Mac model that you had. And you still can in some cases now, but you could, you could really customize your Mac. Now, of course, the downside of that is, you know, the more customized you get, they do take longer to ship. And in fact, my, MacBook Pro that I could have walked in and and picked up off the shelf of the Apple store, but didn't because they didn't have them in stock that particular day, you know, ended up taking three or four days longer to ship because I had done some custom options that I would have rather just had it instantly.
1: You know, one of my favorite things about the online store is their refurb store.
0: That is, that is, I have bought many a Mac there.
1: Yeah, that's the thing that a lot of people don't realize exists. If you go to the Apple Store website and you go look on the left side to the very bottom of the page, and it, it'll have a clearance, but it also has like a refurb section. And a lot of times you get computers in there that are even the current generation or the prior generation that have been refurbed. And all that means is that for some reason Apple got it back. But, you know, somebody here in America has looked at the computer, specced it. Approved it and certified that it's just like a new one, and uh, it's a lot cheaper. I mean, it can be anywhere between two and five hundred dollars cheaper, depending on which machine you get, and that is a real savings. And it shows up in a brown box, so you don't get quite the same, you know, Apple experience. But that's how I bought my uh, Unibody MacBook. It's great.
0: I actually prefer to buy the refurbs when I can. One is because I'm a bit of a cheapskate and I would rather spend. That extra money someplace else. But I'll tell you, many times I have bought refurbs and I actually have questioned whether or not they're refurbs. You know, I've bought a refurb of a previous generation model and I swear that I cannot tell it comes in the original pack or it came at that time in the original packaging. And I could not figure out anything that would allow this to be a refurb. So I think it—I it, don't want to say that Apple regularly does this, but I think sometimes they do. They do put their old stock at, on the "quote unquote" refurb store.
1: Well, it's a great deal, and if you're looking for a new Mac, I usually start there because right. you're not going to get a discount like that in the store, except in a few unique circumstances. And that's how I bought my iMac. Um, I was going to buy an iMac off the refurb store, and I called a friend of mine who works at the Apple store in Irvine and said, Hey, I'm thinking about doing that. What's going on in your store. And it was right when they came out with the last revision to the 24 inch IMAX, you know, it's before now we have the 27 inch at the time we record this, but I don't know. I, th- I think it was about eight months ago. They came out with a refresh. They upgraded the processor a little bit and a couple other changes to the machine. And he said, come in right now. He says, we have like four of the prior generation before the refresh and they're $700 off. Wow, and you know, I dropped everything and ran down <laughs> on there. my way exactly, and so I was able to to get a really good deal on this beautiful twenty four inch screen that I get to look at when I uh, met home. So it, they
0: didn't just have your credit card on file.
1: <laughs> I, I'm not that bad, but it, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it is. Uh, so if you're looking to buy one and you're okay getting the prior generation, uh, whenever Apple does a refresh. And if you're interested, call your Apple store because you may get a very good deal.
0: Yeah. And one thing about the refurbs that people always say, oh, they're they're refurbs. That means there was something wrong with them at some point. And that may be true. But think of it this way. Your Mac comes off an assembly line from somewhere in China, and their quality control is probably such that I don't know, every 100th computer, every 300th computer, every 500th computer, I don't know, actually gets spot checked to make sure that there's there's nothing wrong with it. But they're not checking every single computer that comes off the line. And in the case of a refurb, someone has looked at every single component on that machine to make sure that it is in ready-to-go condition. So you've actually got a better chance of having a better computer that's not going to give you problems than you do, I think, just coming off the assembly line.
1: One bit of advice though is is stay out of the refurb store if you're not in the market for a new computer.
0: Yeah, that can be dangerous.
1: Yeah. Sometimes I go in there and I'm like, wow, that's really cheap. Maybe I should get one of those.
0: I, I actually made the mistake of setting up an RSS feed alert for I was kind of looking at some Mac minis and then I kind of started looking at the Apple Cinema displays and ooh, tempting. That's but not yeah. right. Don't do not do it until you're actually ready to buy. So the other option for buying, you know, not the Apple store, not the Apple online store, but there are also some third-party retailers. And this is a great option for people like me who don't have Apple stores nearby and really either want or need to be able to walk in and walk out with their Mac. Um, some of these third-party retailers, and not necessarily the big-box stores like Best Buy, it may also offer you some additional bundles or rebates or special promotions that you might not otherwise find at the Apple store. And in my experience, typically if you can find a more specialized retailer in your area as opposed to the Best Buy or um, I don't know what other big box stores sell Max, you're probably going to get a little better help in a more Max specialized store. Yeah, that's true. Although some Best Buys I have seen do have actual Apple people in there so.
1: No, they do. Apple has representatives that go to the Best Buys, but they're not there all the time.
0: Right. I think some of the bigger ones might have them there more frequently, but for example, in my local Best Buy, I've very rarely seen them and they're usually, you know, just there for an event or a day or something.
1: I think if you're looking to buy a new Mac, you just stay out of the Best Buy and go to the Apple Store unless you don't have any choice, you know, because maybe you don't have an Apple Store near you. But if the Apple Store option is there, I would certainly go to the Apple Store. Oh, no question. Um, I've I've been in Best Buy looking at the Macs and had people try to sell me on a PC. And they probably make more money if I buy a PC from them. I, I don't really know. I'm guessing. But the... uh you're better off with the Apple store if you can. Right.
0: The other option, and I've bought a quite, quite a few Macs from these places are these third party online resellers. And they used to be the catalog resellers. I remember, you know, back when I was in, in college, you know, we, Oh, the Mac mall catalog is here. The Mac connection catalog is here and you'd get to see all the goodies. And I, I know that's pathetic and lame. Um,
1: actually Katie, of- it, it kind of is.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was just like, you know, some people wait for the Playboy to come in the mail or whatever. I waited for the Mac mall.
1: (laughs) No comment.
0: Yeah. So, uh, anyway, some of these uh, third-party online resellers can be some of the best deals for places to buy your Mac, especially if you're looking for a, a stock configuration, Usually you have a little less in the way of customization options, but there are a lot of opportunities for deals. A lot of times there will be bundles where they'll throw in additional products or services or printers or RAM upgrades or, or even cash rebates. And my dad bought a, a, a Mac on Black Friday last year and just got an exceptional deal on, it was a previous generation Mac, but also got some cash back and a, a bunch of bundles. And it was just the best deal that, that I had seen. And a lot of these places also have the advantage of of free shipping, which you can almost always get from the Apple store. And depending on where you live and where the store is located, you may or may not have to pay tax, which can also be a significant savings.
1: You know, it needs to be a really good deal for me because there's just a part of me that's just a little bit leery about buying it from someone other than Apple.
0: Well, and and I would only consider buying from an Apple-authorized reseller. I'm not saying, you know you know, com or something.
1: Yeah. But that's, that's an independent of, you know, the kind of the Craigslist, uh, eBay market, which is kind of a different set of considerations.
0: Right. And we are going to talk about that. Yeah. Um, so now that you've kind of figured out what you're going to get and, and where you're going to get it, I tend to get questions all the time about the timing of a new Mac purchase because inevitably you buy your new Mac and then something comes out the next week.
1: You know, this is an interesting problem with all technology and people who like technology, you know, it's always a battle saying, you know, you want to have the latest and greatest. And at the same time, you don't want to rush out and spend money every six months. And I have a definite opinion on this. And I think you probably are in agreement with me is that, you know, wait until you really need it and then just go buy it.
0: It it is so easy to push that decision off forever, always waiting for the next best thing to come out. And, you know, if you really do need a Mac and you're pushing that decision off, especially if you do work with your Mac, you know, you're probably actually losing money, losing time, and and certainly putting up with a lot of frustration working with a machine that you've outgrown.
1: Yeah, for me, a good example is my unibody MacBook. I, I bought it off the refurb store, and I think within about three weeks, Apple announced the 13-inch MacBook Pro.
0: I remember that, because yeah. there was one episode where you had that, and I was a little bit jealous, and then all of a sudden, next time...
1: Yeah, you you, you looped me, you know, yeah. within, you know, two weeks, you had the better Mac again. So, but, you know, it didn't, I didn't really bother me at all. You know, I, I, Victor Cahiau from typical Mac user and I were having dinner. And he's like, ah, I got you. You know, I don't really care. You know, I, I'm just really happy with the one that I have. And at some point I won't be, you know, it'll be too slow or, you know, like the, the, uh, MacBook air got to a point where I couldn't really use it because I was doing more with it than I had originally expected I would. And then I got a new one because it wasn't working, but this little MacBook that I have is awesome. And I'm going to use it until, you know, I need a new one, but, uh, I don't get jealous and excited every time they come out with a new one i'm i'm glad to see that apple's moving the platform forward uh and the flip side of that is i don't sit around and wait and say well they're gonna have led screen soon or they're gonna have usb 3.0 soon so i have to wait i mean if i really had a problem i'd go get a new one and i think that's kind of a good way to do it And, and don't feel bad about it just you know when it's time go get one but you know don't beat yourself up about waiting or doing it uh or doing it too soon
0: right um, and, and, you know, it used to be like clockwork. You would know, okay, Apple's going to upgrade the portables and the iMacs at Macworld and at WWDC, they're going to, you know, upgrade the MacBook Pros or the, and the uh, Mac Pros and the displays. And Apple is really getting away from these major event releases, especially now that they've pulled out of Macworld. They're only real scheduled event where they typically release products is at wwdc which is you know june july or august depending on when they they schedule it any particular month so um that being said there are a couple of things that you can typically count on um wwdc is typically in the summer um some people are questioning whether apple may have a presence at ces this year i i don't know but it i think it stands to reason that they may they may try to release something to upstage CES, and we almost always have an iPod event in the fall to gear up for the back-to-school and holiday season. But you can definitely pick up some trends if you you tend to, to watch release cycles.
1: It also seems like they they tweak the laptops or do something to talk about usually before people go back to school. Right. Yeah, but, you know, it's, uh, you, there's even websites devoted to tracking the lifespan of current-generation Apple hardware where you know it gives you advice as to when you should be looking for new ones. But I think it's all smoke and mirrors. Who the heck knows?
0: That's true. Some of it is. But but that being said, I'm not going to buy a Mac the day before WWDC unless my Mac crashes and burns. Yeah. So.
1: And even if it does crash and burn, you're going to wait a day.
0: I am going <laughs> to wait a day. But only a day. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And remember, Apple does have that 14-day return policy. Yeah.
1: I, the other the other point to make about the Macs in particular, you know, separating the other Apple products is they do major refreshes, you know, every two or three years, it seems. And they don't, you know, everything other than that is incremental. So, you know, we just got, for instance, the new 27-inch iMac. I would consider that like a major kind of product redesign based on the prior 24-inch iMac. But now, for the next year or two, I think every upgrade to that 27-inch is going to be incremental. The processor will get a little faster, maybe the RAM will get a little deeper, maybe the hard drive will get a little faster and bigger. But right. you, you know, it's not going to be, a, a, you know, revolutionary new design. Right. So you know, don't get hung up on that either. I mean, they say, well, it's due for a refresh. Well, what kind of refresh is it due for? It's just a little processor upgrade. You're probably not going to notice the difference maybe it's 5% faster if that's an if that's a big deal to you then wait
0: and then we talked about this a little bit but you know in terms of tips for getting the best price on your mac we've already talked about the apple special deal section which is probably the uh, the biggest tip that i have for getting prices and then you know compare prices and check deals you know apple typically has a black friday event so that's you know the day after thanksgiving in the us is is probably going to be one of the better days to buy a Mac, they usually have some kind of corresponding event um, in Europe and other areas. So, you know, if you're looking to buy a, a Mac this holiday season, that may, that may be a good time. And if anybody would like to buy me a Mac, I can get you my shipping address.
1: <laughs> you know, another thing, a point to make just on that question of when do you buy a new Mac, sometimes to tie yourself over, if your Mac's getting a little long in the tooth, uh, go ahead and put a little extra RAM in or upgrade the hard drive. You know, if you're not anxious to replace it, maybe just a little bit of an improvement, you know, get a new mouse. Just do something to make it feel a little newer and shinier, and that may tie you over for another six months.
0: Yeah, I I tend to keep my Macs just shy of three years because I like to sell them before the Apple Care runs out. And probably at at about the the year and a couple of months or the 18-month mark, you know, I plan on, I'm probably going to up the RAM and maybe get one of those fancy-schmancy solid-state hard drives. You know, just a little something to to tide you over.
1: I'm not familiar with that that brand, fancy schmancy. Are they fancy are they schmancy? They're yeah. quite expensive. I bet. <laughs> so. Okay, um, so so when, let's say you get back into the store and you're buying your Mac. So what else do you need when you buy it?
0: Yeah, there are, there are a couple of quote unquote extras that I think people probably need to at least consider, especially new Mac users, because. There's really nothing worse than getting home with your brand new Mac and realizing that you don't have what you need to make the most of it.
1: Yeah, but fortunately, Apple does a pretty good job of that. I mean, you can take a an iMac or a Mac out of a box and it's got, you know, iLife on it. It's got, I mean, you've got everything you need to run it. Right, you do.
0: You do. Um, one of the things that I typically recommend, although, as you said, not necessarily at the time of sale, is AppleCare. And Apple tends to push AppleCare very hard, and that's not to say it's not a good deal. I think it's a great deal. I always suggest people buy AppleCare on portables and uh, probably on iMacs too. I I might give pause to think about a Mac Mini or to think about a Mac Pro, but especially with the screen in that iMac, I I definitely would buy AppleCare. But remember that you can buy AppleCare anytime within the first year. You do have complimentary phone support for 90 days, and if you need to call in, after ninety days, you may want to go ahead and pick up Apple Care sooner. But as long as you buy Apple Care before your first year is up, um, you you can extend your coverage an additional two years.
1: You know, it's something that occurred to me. I talked about this a little bit on the Mac Roundtable. We got into problems with your Mac just last week, and uh, you know, you may not want to do Apple Care till towards the end of that first year. Uh, my sister's uh, MacBook got water spilled on it, and it did some damage to the uh, logic board. And she had just purchased Apple Care like a month before this happened. And if she had waited, and the problem is now she takes the MacBook in and they say, yeah, it got wet. And, you know, they're going to say anything that goes wrong with that computer is, is a result of, you know, it getting, it getting soaked with water. So her Apple Care really lost a lot of its value to her.
0: Now I'm going to I'm going to ask you a question because this question popped up in my head as I was listening to the Mac roundtable. I'm going to put you on the spot so yeah. if you don't know the answer maybe one of our listeners will. I understand that in that situation Apple Care would not have taken care of your sister's problem nor necessarily should they have. Yeah. But if your sister went into the Apple store or someone who has non-Apple Care covered damage went into the Apple store said, "Hey, mia culpa, this is what happened." you know, I want Apple to fix it for me and I will pay out of pocket for it. Um, and Apple fixes it. Would your Apple care then pick up from that point forward?
1: I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they, they gave her an estimate and the estimate was about the price of a new MacBook in the refurb store. So right. I told her obviously not to do it. But uh, I guess another question would be, what if the uh, LCD display, you know, goes kablooey on it? And it has nothing to do with the water. Let's say it's a year after this event and it just, it just fails. Are we going to have an argument whether or not that problem stems from the water? And if it does, they're going to say it's not covered. Are they going to say, okay, that that's not related to that. So we'll go ahead and cover it. I guess we'll find out or hopefully we won't, you know, she won't run into that problem. But I'd be curious if any listeners have ever dealt with that. I'd like to hear how it was handled.
0: Actually, Allison, you know, our friend Allison Sheridan had this issue where um I don't remember the exact facts of the situation, but I think it was her daughter's portable um her, had gotten a coffee spill or, or something that they'd taken care of themselves and the Mac came back to life and was working with no problems and they'd worked with it for years with no problems. And then all of a sudden, a completely unrelated issue, and I don't know what it is, but, you know, let's say the DVD drive or something um, stopped working years after this spill related accident. And she said that they, they took it to AppleCare and Apple Care would not fix one without resolving the other. And they wouldn't resolve that one because it was not, um, covered. And she ended up, you know, just basically getting a third party service company to, to fix it for her. So I don't know whether you could fight that or whether you could get around that. I think it would probably depend on the store and the type of incident and
1: well, I think the moral of the story is you may want to wait a little bit before spending like on the laptops, AppleCare is on the MacBook Pro 13 inch, it's two hundred and fifty dollars. Right. And you can get it on Amazon for about two hundred, but even then, that's a lot of money. You may want to put off purchasing that till you're closer to year, but don't let the year go by. I totally agree with you. For a laptop in particular, buy the Apple Care. Right. I, I got a new Mac out of it, um, one of my old MacBook Pro. I mean, it was, I think, a couple years old, and they were having trouble, and I took it in two or three times. They couldn't get a fix. They just gave me a new one.
0: Right. I uh, AppleCare has saved my bacon more than once, and um, Amazon is a good place. Also, one of my favorite sites is deal, DealMac.com, and they don't sell themselves, but they link to good Mac deals, and I ended up buying AppleCare from I think it's L.A. Computer Company, and save myself about eighty or ninety bucks. So definitely well worth it.
1: Okay, what else do you need when you go in?
0: Well, I think you've already mentioned this on one of our other shows, but if you don't already have one, don't leave the store without a backup hard drive.
1: Uh, don't go home without a backup drive. Don't seems, go home. I think the Apple Store seems to overcharge on that stuff. Every time I've priced the hard drives there, they're about you know fifty or sixty dollars more than the same machine at a at Best Buy or some. Big box. Yeah, and that's probably
0: a good point. Okay, don't go home without a backup hard drive. Yeah. Um, and then I tell you what. I although I, I really hated my first Time Capsule. Ever since I've gotten that replaced, which I think was just a, a bad box, I really like the Time Capsule. If you don't have a backup hard drive, and if you need a a wireless router anyway, you you can't get a better router than the Apple Airport Extreme, even though it is fairly expensive and. Sometimes you can kill two birds with one stone that way.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm lucky. I have the first generation time capsule, but I've never had any problems with it. And it's just like a trooper. It backs up my wife's MacBook all the time and, and my MacBook as well. A little tip that probably is totally unrelated to a uh, topic of our show. The way I back up my MacBook to the time capsules, I don't have it on automatic. I actually turn it off. And in Snow Leopard, it's nice because it makes the icon gray. So, you know, it's turned off. And then when I'm going to bed, I just you know leave it on the desk and click backup, and it does it while you know I'm going to sleep. It doesn't take too long, and I I usually remember to do it every night, but not necessarily every night. And that way you don't get kind of the lag and the other issues you get with uh, it backing up every hour.
0: Actually, a lot of those issues have been resolved with Snow yeah. Leopard. I'm finding my my uh, time machine Snow Leopards and my time capsule Snow Leopards. I'm totally wireless now because I've reconfigured my office. Um, lot quicker than even they were before
1: yeah it's really i think snow leopard did make some big improvements on that and i know there's also third party apps that can help you more customize your uh, your backup that way
0: right so this next item is a little more questionable and that is mobile me i'm a big fan of mobile me i've had it since it started Although I don't think it's necessary and I think Apple tries to push it pretty hard. What are your thoughts on to mobile me or not to mobile me?
1: Well, they give a discount when you buy it with a new Mac and it, it varies. I think it's about 30% off or something. And right. uh, it just depends on the person. If you're, you know, kind of geeky and really into it, I really like it as well. I I'm happy to pay my my money once a year. I have actually a family account cuz I've got a lot of people in this house using the mobile me services. But uh, some people who are just, you know, computer users who check email, do word processing and go on the web, they don't need that stuff. And uh, sometimes I think Apple pushes it a little harder than they need to.
0: I actually think MobileMe may be more valuable for iPhone owners than it is for Mac owners, if that makes any sense.
1: Well, if you're Mac plus iPhone, it's it's really great. I mean, having that that sync of your calendars and contacts and all that
0: well, and the Find My iPhone and the remote lock, I mean, if if that saves your bacon once, it's more than paid for itself.
1: Yeah. You know, they, there's a bunch of rumors, and actually there's some proven fact that Apple is building these huge server farms. I really hope that means that they're going to be stepping up that service. I'd like to see them do more with it.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, but MobileMe, again, it's one of those things that you can you can get at a discount if you buy it with a new Mac, but... Um, I typically don't buy it from the Apple store unless I buy it with a new Mac.
1: Yeah. And I think you can probably match the discount once again at Amazon or some other service. Sure. I mean, all it is, in the, you get a box in the mail with a with a number in it and you type it the was in. There's not even
0: a CD in it anymore. Yeah. Um, the other thing I, I typically recommend that people at least take a strong look at is some kind of word processing program.
1: Well, I have a definite opinion on this. It's okay. It's, you know, when you buy a new Mac, Apple sells iWork for $50.
0: So that's a no-brainer.
1: I mean, just, just get it. I mean, uh, Microsoft Office, even the student and teacher edition, I think is 150, last time I checked. And uh, it's it's not iWork, let's just put it that way. I, I think unless you're somebody who's this you know high-powered guy who must have Word on your computer or must have Excel because you're going to be doing pivot tables um, or something like that, just get iWork. I, I really think it's a no-brainer.
0: I think I tend to agree with you at the time that you're buying a new Mac. Yeah, it's a lot cheaper to go ahead yeah. and buy iWork. But I think in general, you need to have some kind of at least word processing plan because the the Macs out of the box come with text edit.
1: Yeah. Well, Which,
0: it, I mean, let's get real. That's that's not going to cut it for most people.
1: When I, you know, I'm, I'm always giving people advice who are buying their first Macs. And I always tell them, you know, get your Mac and get iWork. And that's if you get those two things, you, you're pretty much set. I mean, you get home, you've got all the iLife software, then you've also got a word processor, a spreadsheet program, and a presentation program. You know, right. and, and you know, then get you know, get your hard, your backup hard drive, probably somewhere else, and and you're you're good to go. Right. Yeah.
0: Um. And then obviously, you know whatever other programs you need for the type of work that you do with your Mac. Some of those may be specialized programs based on your business or um, uh, your your company or what kind of industry you're in. But you just want to make sure that you have the programs that you need to get the work that you need done. And again, that's going to vary a lot for different people.
1: And then the last thing you need to do, the most importantly, you need to subscribe to the Mac Power users.
0: Absolutely. And in fact, if you're setting up... Your friend's Mac, Mac, don't leave before you go into iTunes and do that.
1: Yes, definitely. And you'll get one gold star from both of us.
0: There you go. Now, we talked a little bit about upgrades, Um, upgrading the memory, upgrading the hard drive. I tend to, I almost always got my memory uh, from someone else. Usually hard drives, especially depending on the model, I may or may not let Apple upgrade that. The, The portables are pretty easy to upgrade hard drives on these days. The Mac mini is getting a little more involved. The iMac upgrade for the hard drive worries me because I think you actually have to take that glass screen off depending on which model you have.
1: Yeah, I think opening up your iMac, pr- is it, there's a very good chance you're blowing your Apple AppleCare warranty and everything else. You're, you have to get that done in the shop. And my advice with an iMac is get one with a hard drive that you're satisfied with for your internal drive and expect that to be the internal drive for the life of the machine. Uh, right. Especially if you have Apple Care, if it goes bad, they'll put a new one in for you. But... It, you know, it's got a FireWire port on the back and an external drive is, there's nothing wrong with that. So I've always, I've never upgraded the, the drives in my iMacs. And the uh, laptops have gotten a lot better about it. Even just as there, it was a couple years ago, I mean, the 17-inch MacBook Pro I had was the prior generation. I mean, changing the hard drive in that thing was a beast. I mean, you open that thing up and there was ribbon cables and all kinds of stuff. And, you, you know, there's a part of you that thought that you were never going to get it closed again. And uh, now with the new MacBooks, literally it's a eight screws and it's right there for you. You just unplug it and plug a new one in. Right.
0: We got a, a question in from a listener that basically dealt with leasing Macs in a corporate environment. And that's something I personally don't have any experience with. So a lot of it depends on the deal that you're getting and your specific circumstances. But I do have some general thoughts and I think you do too on leasing equipment.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, we started the show, we swore we'd never give legal advice. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm just going to say that I've dealt with clients that leased computer equipment and I think pretty much every one of them that did got screwed. Um, uh, the the way they run those leases, and then they have buyout provisions at the end. It ends up costing you a lot more money in the long run than if you just went and purchased the equipment. Or you can you know you can buy it on terms. You can have a bank help you finance it. You don't necessarily need to lease. Uh, that being said, I know there's some honest lease companies out there that are trying to come up with solutions, and maybe it'll work for you. But uh, I would be very leery about signing a lease for uh, computer hardware.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I personally don't like leases. I wouldn't lease a car. I wouldn't lease a computer. But, you know, there there are possibly some situations where it would seem to
1: make sense. Yeah. So,
0: all right. Well, I think we've pretty much covered buying new Macs. Anything we need to go back and hit?
1: No, I think we got it.
0: All right. Now, this is a smaller subset of people, but what if you're buying a used Mac? Have you bought many used Macs over the years?
1: Uh no I haven't. I usually get a new one, but I'm actually thinking about getting one for uh my daughter's desk and uh yeah, I was thinking uh, like a a used iMac would be just fine for that.
0: Right. There's there's a lot of great advantages to buying a used Mac and that's because you know, I would never even consider buying a used PC, but Macs hold their value for so much longer and they have such a good useful life that In a lot of cases, especially when you don't need the latest and greatest, buying a used Mac makes a ton of sense.
1: You know, that's another point along this Apple tax line. Everybody always says, well, it costs more to get a Mac. And I'm not convinced of that when you consider the value of the quality of the components and the built-in software. But even if it is a little bit more than a PC, a Mac retains its value so much more. I mean, at at work, we we get these old PCs. They're just like a couple years old and we replace them. And we get like 50 bucks for them. You know, there's, it's almost worth nothing. Whereas you take a two year old Mac and you put it up on eBay, you're going to get five or $600 for it. It's just a you may get more than that. Yeah. It depends on the the computer obviously, but I mean, it's just, there's a remarkable market for these used machines and you you put that into it. Just realize that when you buy this computer, if you decide to sell it before, you know, it gets really old, you're going to get a decent chunk of cash back. And that's a value as well.
0: Right. Uh, My favorite place to buy and even sell Macs is from my local Apple users group. And even if you don't join a user group for any other purpose, typically you can join and become a part of an email list. And, you know, every couple of weeks or every week, someone's on there wanting to buy or, or wanting to sell a Mac. And I really like dealing with with user groups, number one, because they're local. Number two, because I know these people and I feel like if there's ever a problem, it's gonna get taken care of. And I think you're a lot less likely to get scammed dealing with a local established Apple
1: group. Totally agree. And also it's it's even better if they have Apple Care still on it. So you can take possession of the machine, you can talk to the person, help them get the Apple Care transferred over to you, and you can put the machine in for whatever it needs. Right.
0: Um, there are a couple of used Mac resellers that specialize in used mac and and sometimes they will offer their own type of warranty or guarantee but from what I've seen, these tend to be some of the most expensive places to buy used macs
1: yeah, yeah, and you know you're you're so- supposedly buying a little more peace of mind with it right but part of me thinks look if you're going if you want that, just go buy you know a new one with a refurb store. And the other options out there, you can probably get a pretty good deal because the prices aren't that far off. You know, you go to a certified used Mac. I mean, how far off are you really from a refurb MacBook? I'm looking right now at the refurb store. There's a refurbed MacBook 2.1 gigahertz for $679. I mean, wow. how are you going to, I mean, are you really going to be able to beat that? You know, and if, if you beat it by a hundred bucks, do you want to beat it by hundred bucks? I mean, why don't you pay the extra hundred bucks and get the Apple refurb unit? So I'm a little leery about that. I'm almost more thinking if you buy a used Mac, you know, get one that's much cheaper than what you're going to get and just be willing to accept the consequences. If you don't get exactly what you expected. Right. Uh, you know, another thought for my daughter's room and you know, I'm, this is totally unrelated again, but I'm thinking another option for her and stay with me on this Mac SE.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's got no internet connections, you know, which I'm probably okay with.
0: And dad gets to play with it.
1: Well, no, I mean, she can do word processing. Now what she really needs is to write her papers for school. You can get a floppy drive for those. I mean, they, they uh, burn to the current floppy rate. You can get a USB floppy drive for the house. iMac, Mac. So she can, you know, make a text file or a word file. I'm really thinking about that. Mm-hmm. I think I'm would, not
0: thinking she's going to dig that.
1: I think she would. And I think it would be really cool to know that she started on a Mac. SE. I think that would be
0: cool too. All right, let me know how that works out for you. <laughs> the other place you can buy is is pretty much through local classified services, through the newspaper, through Craigslist. Um, I, this isn't my favorite place to buy a Mac, but I I do like this better than taking your potluck with eBay because you do kind of have a chance to tick the kick the tire, so to speak, on a new Mac. But but you still have to be pretty careful,
1: and you need to be safety conscious. I mean, if you're looking to buy a you know, a computer and you're willing to pay, you know, a lot of cash for it and somebody wants to meet you to, you know, do the transaction, bring a friend or make sure it's a public place or something. I mean, that's just common sense.
0: Right. And then the last option is, is obviously eBay. Um, this is really a trade-off because you are more likely to get burned. You are more likely to have a scam on eBay. Although I have bought a used Mac off eBay and was quite pleased with it, but they also have the biggest selection by far, of used Macs. So there are a lot more options out there. Yeah. Um, I always, whether you're buying a Mac locally or over eBay or in person or over the phone or whatever, there are a couple of general questions and considerations that I, I tend to recommend. Obviously you can do more if it's in person. Um, but one of the first things that I ask is, are you the original buyer? And if not, where did you get this Mac from?
1: Yeah, makes sense.
0: It's kind of like buying a car. You know, I, I want to know where it's been. Is this, is you know, was this the car that your grandmother owned that she only drove to church and back? Or was this the car that your, you know, 16-year-old son owned and, you know, flipped a couple of times? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Also, you know, make sure they have the original DVDs. Right.
0: Um, and that, that's actually a problem that I I ran into with this Mac that I was setting up for someone this weekend. Um, they bought it from kind of a friend of a friend who literally just handed them the computer had all their data on it, had no DVDs, had nothing. And <laughs> we actually had to spend quite a bit of time and money going out and having to buy, you know, the Leopard DVD, the iLife DVD, and the iWork DVD so she could erase it and, and clean install her stuff on it. And that was, that was a pain.
1: And then, then you start thinking about that $679 refurb MacBook.
0: Exactly. What I've just been better off doing that. So um, And especially... I want to ask: When was the Mac bought, and do you have proof of purchase? Because I'm particularly looking is is it covered by Apple
1: Yeah,
0: because Apple is transferable.
1: Yeah. So usually, people uh, who buy Apple Care first to tell you that when they're trying to sell it to you, anyway. But you never know,
0: right? Um, and then a lot of by getting answer to to these questions will kind of give you idea of. Okay, what's the history of this Mac? Because if someone doesn't have answers to most of these questions, you know, oh, I don't know, or it's a friend of mine or a buddy's of mine, you know, then you got to start asking questions like, okay, is this legit? Yeah. So. And I always ask for, especially you see this more on eBay, I want to see photos of the machine that you're selling me. I don't want to see f- stock photos of the machine that you got off of Apple's website.
1: Yeah, that's a red flag. If you're looking on eBay and they're showing you the Apple picture of a computer, then you definitely want to see the actual computer.
0: And I've actually emailed people before and say, hey, can you send me a high-res photo? Do you have a higher-resolution photo of this? Because I want to zoom in and, and kind of use that as a as a spot check to see if, if there's any damage.
1: And a couple screenshots of the system information wouldn't be bad either. Right.
0: Now if you're buying off of eBay or if you're buying sight unseen, that's you know that's probably going to be somewhat the extent of what you can do. Is there anything else you can think of that you can do to try to protect yourself if you're buying a Mac sight unseen?
1: Well, there's there's the typical eBay, you know, things. You want to see what the seller history is. If it's somebody who's only sold one or two items, I would not buy a computer from that person. It's just you, they need to develop a history and show that they're actually a reliable seller and you know you never send a money order and you know this you know the typical stuff you're going to learn dealing with ebay sure
0: now if you can buy a mac locally which is my preference i always want to see the mac in person and be able to spend you know at least a good 20 or 30 minutes with it before i make the decision whether or not i'm actually going to buy and most people who are legitimate who are trying to sell you a mac should be reasonably accommodating to this. And if they're not, that's another red flag.
1: Yeah. If they're not, then don't bother. I think is probably the advice. Um, You had a really good list in the outline. I like Uh, the first one you had listed was the battery. You know, if it's a, if it's a laptop, you know, get the battery health monitor app or, or even just look in, I guess what, is, is there a built in way to check your battery health? I've always done it with third party apps.
0: Um, You can now in some of the newer Macs. I think if you hold down, um, is it the option key or the control key, and click on the battery option, That's it right. will actually uh, uh, show you battery health. But you can also go into the Apple System Profiler and see how many loads and what the charge cycle is on it.
1: Yeah.
0: And at what percentage the battery is. But I still like those third-party programs like Coconut Battery or iStat or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then ask if the battery was ever replaced and when. I actually had a battery that was placed uh, replaced under Apple Care, and um, sold the Mac within a couple of months of that happening. And for me, that was great because I was able to say, hey, this is a, a, a three-year-old battery on an 18-month-old MacBook. Yeah. So,
1: and the next thing was test the ports.
0: Yeah, test the ports and also test the uh, SuperDrive. Uh take a DVD with you and make sure that the optical drive works. Play it for a few minutes and make sure that it's not skipping around. Obviously take a DVD that you know is in good shape and doesn't skip around anyway. Um it,
1: testing a hard drive, make sure you bring one that, that will pull a load off the uh USB port. Right. I think that's your, kind of a common problem with Macs. Sometimes the USB ports don't put out enough juice.
0: Right. Test your USB ports. And and I and I would even say bring a hard drive that pulls a load and then bring something else because A lot of these times, I've had hard drives that will not run off of a single USB port, and I either have to get one of those Y connectors and cables. So that doesn't necessarily mean that there's something wrong with the USB ports. Yeah. It could also be an issue with the drive requiring too much uh, power. And uh, this one's usually a little more difficult, but if you can, if you're in a situation where you can check the Ethernet port, um, a lot of times Ethernet ports will go bad, but the Wi-Fi will still work, so... And and that's something that you may not know, especially if you're checking it out at a coffee house or, yeah.
1: or something like that. Check, check the trackpad, you know, touch all the keys, you know, open text edit, make sure all the keys are actually registering.
0: Right. Uh, does the Wi-Fi get online or are you having any signal dropouts or any problems with that? Um, you know, are the hinges solid? You know, just, you know, give it a good kick of the tires. Does the screen look good? Are there... Are there any visible signs of abuse? Um, You know, even a superficial crack or scrape, you know, can be a sign that this machine wasn't particularly well uh, cared for, you know, especially if there are any dents or any damages to any of the corners or um, to any of the sides of the machine, because that can be an indication that it was dropped. And then, um, obviously, people think that I'm crazy. Um, I stick my ear to it, and, you know, I like to hear the fan and all of that. Um, because a lot of times you you can tell, is this, is this a, a, the right kind of noise it's supposed to be making?
1: Katie Floyd, Mac Whisperer.
0: I am a Mac Whisperer. And I tell you, um, I may get some flack from this, and I, I don't mean this to be negative. I personally tend to be a little more weary when buying a Mac from a household with pets or buying a Mac from a smoking household.
1: Well, the uh, Mac Roundtable this week, and we talked about smoking. I had no idea how bad it was. And Steve uh, Stanger was talking about when he used to be a, an Apple technician. And uh, the stuff that they got inside those Macs from that smoke, it was really shocking.
0: Right. Uh, you know, it just tended to coat the inside. And the same thing with cat hair. Um, my uncle has a cat, and I've actually bought a few Macs from him. And um, the cat loves to lay on the Mac because it's warm and... You know, and then you just got cat hair on the keys and I'm not, a, you know, so not necessarily to say that there's anything wrong with buying a Mac from a smoking household or a pet household, but I tend to kind of consider it a bonus if you,
1: if you cannot. All I can say is I'm going to state publicly following my comments and the Mac round table about cats and having read my email, oh boy. That I have no problem with cats and cats are perfectly fine animals. Yes, no, they nothing are. Else. Don't
0: no don't don't sick the pita folks on me
1: <laughs> okay so uh we've talked about buying a used mac and i guess at one point we had in the outline that we should make is you know follow your gut if right. if you know if you're not feeling completely comfortable with it then just don't do it and my other point would be really look hard at what you can get on a new computer before you make a decision on how much you're going to spend on an old one
0: Well, and also look at what kind of money are you going to have to put into an old computer? You know, if you're spending a couple hundred bucks on this old machine, but then you've got to turn around and spend a couple hundred bucks on the OS upgrade and the iLife upgrade and the iWork upgrade, you know, look at the overall price of ownership, not just what you're paying for that one machine.
1: Yeah. Okay, now let's go to the next subject. Selling. Selling. Yes.
0: This is my favorite thing to do because I only sell my Macs when I'm getting a new one. So, um, I, I'm, I'm kind of a penny watcher and I love, I typically get top dollar for my Macs and, and some people think that I, I sell them for too much, but I have had nothing but compliments and praises from the people that I've sold my Macs to and, I usually sell them to local folks, and I'll even see them, you know, years down the line using my old Mac and saying, "Oh, I love this computer! I'm so glad I bought it from you." So, um, th- there's a lot that you can do to make sure that you get top dollar for your Mac. Like what? Uh, one of my personal favorites is is sell it with AppleCare. Um, I typically AppleCare runs three years. So at about the two-and-a-half-year mark, I start pretty seriously looking at an upgrade. And I want to sell it with Apple Care for two reasons. One is that it offers the seller, uh, me, peace of mind. Because I know that if anything goes wrong with this computer and, you know, Murphy's Law, if something's going to go wrong, it's probably going to go wrong three days after I sell it to them. Um, I personally would feel horrible, even if I was completely innocent in the transaction, if a Mac that I sold somebody all of a sudden the hard drive died,
1: yeah.
0: Um, and so I like to say, you know, look, there's Apple Care. If there's any issue, let the Apple Care take care of it. But it also, you know, saves them a lot of hassle because it, you know, they know, you know, okay, I've got six months, I've got four months, I've got whatever, and you know, it's just an insurance policy for the buyer as well.
1: Yeah, and it makes it a lot easier for someone buying it from you. I think if they know that that it's going to be taken care of if there's any problems.
0: Right. Now, there are a couple of hoops that you have to jump through. If you go to AppleCare's support page, um, you can find. But, you know, typically you have to provide some kind of proof of purchase and some kind of letter or serial number. But uh, transferring the AppleCare is a pretty simple process.
1: Do you get that feeling? uh, I sold an old Mac to a friend and uh she hardly ever uses it and it's it kind of bugs me a little bit you know i'm like come on how come you're not you know putting it this through spaces there's my favorite computer <laughs> i guess i do have a certain degree of possessiveness over these these Macs that i have in my life but
0: well, and I, I always feel so sad when I sell my Mac.
1: Yeah. Well, not really, because you have a new, new one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I feel bad. I was like, okay, I feel bad. Sorry about that. Oh, hey, look, who's shiny?
1: Yeah, but I, I always, you know, it's almost like I want to get it to somebody that knows going to appreciate it and, and use it and that will take advantage of it. But that's just me being weird. I guess you should be more concerned about who pays the most, but whatever. Right. No,
0: you've developed a bond with your your machine, so. Um, You know, also obvious things like take good care of your Mac, make sure it's in good physical condition, you know, clean the screen, clean the gunk out of your keyboard, polish it up, make it shine. I mean, obviously, the more it looks like new, the better price that you're going to get for it. And especially if you have Apple Care. you know, some of us have those lingering issues where my CD drive doesn't always read or this key sometimes sticks or... I'm having this lingering issue, get it fixed. You know, don't don't make it be something that you have to disclose as, okay, this is a problem, and don't make it be something that the new owner has to deal with. If you can get it fixed before you sell it, get it fixed.
1: That's good advice. Also, you want to make sure you list all the upgrades and changes you've made to it if you've upgraded the hard drive or or whatever. Right. Uh, that way the new owner knows you know that the machine has got maxed out memory or, or whatever improvements you've made. Uh, when they purchase it.
0: And you know, what I do, and and maybe this is, you know, a little petty, but I tend to put what I paid for that upgrade. So people know that if I'm asking a little bit more for my Mac, you know, this is why I'm, I'm including this $130 laptop bag that fits it. I'm including this $30 skin that fits it. And I don't know, maybe that's a little petty, but you know, sometimes people just don't
1: know. I think it's a good idea.
0: Um, also kind of along that same note of of listing your upgrades you want to save all your accessories an absolute must make sure you have the original installed DVDs make sure that they're not all scratched up and that they do still work Um, and if you can save the original box and manuals or adapters that's always a nice touch
1: yes it is so how do you collect payment when you sell that Mac
0: well this is funny because I have conflicting advice whether you're a buyer or a seller Um, If I am buying a new Mac, I am going to prefer to pay by PayPal or credit card or some other kind of method where I I think that I'm going to have some kind of possible avenue of recourse if something goes wrong. However, if I'm selling a Mac, especially if it's not to someone that I know personally, I'm only going to deal in cash or some kind of certified funds.
1: Just cash, baby. Just cash. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's what I would prefer. Um, you know, you may want to use a service like PayPal if someone wants to pay with a credit card. But, you know, keep in mind that that PayPal also does have some features where you can reverse payment.
1: Yeah, and all, as all credit card companies do, too. They can right. contest it. So uh, get cash if you're going to sell it.
0: And especially if you're shipping your Mac, you know, make sure that it is packaged appropriately. If you've got the original boxes, that's great. I usually put the original boxes inside some kind of padded box. And I always buy insurance, whether or not the seller has re- or the buyer has reimbursed me for it. You know, you don't want to risk something happening with the postal service.
1: Okay, so let's say you've sold it. What do you need to do to secure your data?
0: Well, hopefully you do this before you actually sell it and get rid of it. Yeah. But before it leaves your possession, you need to get all of your data off of the Mac.
1: And fortunately, Apple gives you a very easy way to do that with the uh, the erase tab.
0: Right. I do a full erase and reinstall of the operating system. Um, And not only just an erase, I do a secure erase. And I do a seven pass or maybe even the 35 pass is probably overkill. Um, But I almost always do a seven pass erase or at least a three pass erase if I know who I'm selling it to.
1: If you need to do a 35 pass erase, Katie, I really want to know what you have on that computer.
0: If you need to do a thirty-five pass erase, you just need to sledgehammer the computer.
1: <laughs> the uh, I I used to know a guy that literally did. They took his hard drive out and drove a nail through it. Oh, wow! That was his. That was his final task with each computer. But I agree. I think a three pass erase is plenty. But you know, seven is seven is fine too. I mean, just set it and go to bed.
0: Right. And remember, this is going to take a long time. Not only do you go to bed, but especially on these, you know, 320, 500 gig hard drives, terabyte drives, you may need to go to bed and let this run for a couple of days. So, you know, don't start this process when you've promised the person that you'll deliver them the computer the next day, because it may not happen.
1: And. Uh, If you're replacing Mm -hmm. the computer, and I think we did talk about this on setting up a new Mac, is I usually don't sell the old one until the new one is in place and fully loaded up and and working. Uh, So then it's no no harm to to go ahead and erase it because you know everything's good.
0: And sometimes that's hard because I definitely understand the situation where you are counting on the money that your old Mac is bringing in to pay for your new Mac. And if that's the case... Then I would say just make sure you have a clone backup of your old Macs hard drive before you erase it. Yeah. Uh, A couple of them, preferably.
1: The the other thing I do uh, when I'm setting it up for, usually when I sell my Macs, it's usually to someone I know, is I, you know, after I reinstall the OS, I actually, you know, put their name in, their address. I set it all up for them. Uh, It depends on the person. There's some people that I know that won't bother to do that themselves, so I'll do it for them. There's other people that I know that just like that experience. So I'll just set up the OS and let them go through the process of of doing all the input.
0: Yeah, perhaps a little known fact is that after you set up the OS and the machine restarts and you get the little happy screen with the music and the OS flying, uh, you can actually quit out of that. It's a, a hidden, you know, if you just command Q, uh, you can get out of that and shut down the machine, and then the next time someone turns it on, it will start back up with a little happy music.
1: Yeah. Anything else you do after you sell your Mac
0: um, I have kind of a category of what's called go the extra mile. And this is particularly if I'm selling my Mac to someone I know or to someone through my Apple users group. Um, I tend to get top dollar for my Mac. And one of the reasons I do that is because, um, I almost always will tell the person who's buying it and, and even advertise it in my listing that I will spend up to two hours of my time one Saturday uh, with you in this new Mac, helping you transfer your data from your old Mac and helping you get set up and comfortable with it. And, you know, sometimes people do or don't take me up on that, but it, it really seems to be a nice touch and it, it kind of gives everybody, you know, warm fuzzies. And if I have a computer that is not covered by Apple Care, again, typically if I'm selling it locally to people that I know and trust aren't going to scam me, sometimes I will offer my own warranty on it and say, Hey, you know, if, if the hard drive dies or if anything happens within 30 days, let me know. And I'll either take the Mac back or take care of it. But I would not do that in all cases.
1: Yeah, that's, that's really generous of you. But like you said, if you're getting a, a premium price for it, uh, you, maybe you're willing to take that risk.
0: Right. And, and typically again, I, I tend to sell mine through my Apple user groups to people that I know. And to me, a lot of time the relationship is worth more than, than losing the money on the Mac. If there truly is something wrong with it, whether it was my fault or not, um, I'm never knowingly going to sell someone a bum Mac, but nobody wants to have their brand new Mac's hard drive die, and, and they're going to blame you, whether it was your fault or not.
1: And, you know, be honest, I, I've never told people that, but since I usually know the person buying my old computer, if if something went wrong with it, I would make it right. So. I'm sure Oof. someday somebody's going to pull that and use that against me, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> okay, well, you know, we, I think we've done a pretty good job of talking about uh, buying and selling your Mac, uh, but we also had a lot of feedback from the Task Manager Smackdown episode. Oh my
0: goodness, that was a very popular show.
1: Yeah, I'm glad. I, I was very passionate about OmniFocus and, uh, and I think that came through you were with things and I think it was fun because they're good apps and you know there's there's enough difference between them that they're good for different people so and that that we got a lot of good email back from people explaining why they liked one over the other and I really enjoy reading that and learned a few things as well uh, one of the first emails we got that I that I uh, looked into was from Ryan concerning his use of OmniFocus and he talked about the process of being able to add tasks with a mail message. And indeed, in OmniFocus, there are a set of rules that allow you, if you code it properly, you can send an email to yourself and it, OmniFocus will read that email and add a task, which is pretty neat. But uh, I knew of that and I had played with it a while. The reason I didn't, I don't use it, frankly, is I find it easier with the quick entry panel that when I do, um, I can just do a, a voice message like I talked about during the episode as fast as I can do that. It's, it's actually easier for me to do that than to actually stop and prepare an email that's going to send me the task. Um, Ryan was using it, I believe with the recall service, I believe he was the listener that was doing that. And, uh, that's interesting too, because recall allows you to dictate something. Then they, they create an email off of it. And he had a very interesting workflow. I'm going to look into that, but, um, To be honest, I really like just the note to self method that I use because I can record very quickly and it uploads and I can input new tasks very quickly as well at the Mac.
0: Well, I think a lot of it depends on where you are. I mean, if you're at work on your PC and think of something you want to add to your Omnifocus and you don't have the iPhone client, that may be a very easy way to do it is to email yourself and then when you check email at home on your Mac, or especially if your Mac is at home on, you know, receiving email. It can kind of all be taken care of before you get back home.
1: Yeah. And to be, you know, to be clear, Ryan gets like triple gold star geek points for setting all this up. I'm very impressed. And uh I just I just I'm not sure if it works for me, but it, it's definitely something I should have mentioned because it's a it's an interesting feature that, that Omni Group obviously spent some time making that happen.
0: Uh may not be pronouncing this right, but I'm thinking Rue. uh, wrote in and asked about calendar usage in task management apps. And he says, I'm dropping you this email because I didn't listen to any reference regarding iCal or other calendar apps in your task management episode. I know that in the Sync episode you talked about BusyCal and other solutions, but how do you integrate your task management workflow with calendars? Do you use them at all? Are you constrained to them in your everyday work? How does this suit you? Um, and Tim Reporton was actually asking me about this on Twitter after our task management episode. So it was probably something that we should cover. Both things and OmniFocus has some kind of synchronization with iCal. And iCal is, is really a database or an iCal store file that, as a result, anything that will read from that iCal database uh, will also sync up with your task management system because they're all syncing from the same source.
1: Well... In, to to, to quote the CEO of the decade, right? I think the you know that's a bag of hurt. I don't want to get my tasks into the iCal system. I know it works for a simple system, but I don't have any interest in having OmniFocus, you know, barf up all my tasks into iCal.
0: One of the things that, that things has, gosh, um, is um, you can specify specifically what category of tasks. Tasks with certain tags get synced to certain calendars um, or tasks in certain groups get synced to certain calendars. So you do have some control or you can turn the syncing off completely. Um, But I I can definitely see how some people, especially if they don't have hundreds of thousands of tasks like you do, David, um, might like to see it in their calendar app, especially if they've always got their calendar app up and they maybe don't always have their task management app up.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I think it may work for some, but it wouldn't work for me. And just to answer the question, the way I use the calendar is is I really don't use it for task management. I do have some interesting ideas about calendaring, and maybe we'll talk about that another day. But I, I schedule myself to do work. I mean, I make appointments essentially with myself. Sometimes there's a brief I need to write or something I need to do with my daughter, and I will put time in the calendar to do it and treat it like an appointment. But that's not really task management so much. Um, But I, I really don't more
0: time management.
1: Exactly. We also heard from Dominic who talked about how he was listening to us in the hospital.
0: Ooh, that was a, that was a, 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 I enjoyed hearing that and hope everything is working, working out well for him and his family.
1: And I, I hope that he saved money on, you know, any drugs that he would need to go to sleep because obviously he had us to, to help him with that. So yeah. Uh, but he was talking about OmniFocus, and uh, he's an OmniFocus user as well. Uh, he made a good point about the support ninjas. Uh, OmniGroup has great uh, support, and I don't know what things is like, but uh, with OmniGroup, they are very good about getting back with you with any little problems you have with the uh, the application.
0: I've emailed the Culture Code folks once or twice, and I have actually gotten responses back within two or three minutes. Good. Not necessarily to say that's that's... Always the case, but I was like, "Whoa!" Their responses in my inbox already.
1: Uh, we also heard from uh, Durbrow, who put a comment on the website, and I don't know if that's his name, but that's the the name that was listed on the comment where he talked about uh, a third party app we hadn't talked about called the Hit List, which is a, a real simple task manage- management application, but but pretty well done from what I've seen of it. And that may be one you want to look at if you don't want to go as deep as the things in OmniFocus route.
0: Right. And just if you guys aren't aware, we do keep the comments open on our website. So not only can you go there to get links to things that we talked about in the show, but typically after the show, there's also some pretty decent discussion of people um, you know, that people have posted out there in the comments section. So that that's probably a good resource if you uh, have a comment or a suggestion and, and we do peruse through there.
1: Yeah. We heard from Terry, who is a student, and she had talked about some of the applications she uses, like uh, Paranote from Useful Fruit and Notebook, Uh, and we're going to get to that. I think maybe that's the next smackdown, as we're going to talk about the various note-taking applications.
0: Or the various content management applications.
1: Yeah, I think that's a better way way to put it. Better way to put it.
0: We also got a challenge issued from Mark, and I don't know if this is something that David or I have time to kind of go through and figure out, at least not in the immediate future. So we figured we would issue the challenge, and if you have a solution, uh, get back to us because it's probably something we could all use. But here's what Mark said. Um, He's followed our advice and has purchased the ScanSnap, which has been great, and he's um, having a great old time getting all of his documents scanned. Um, he says, so far I've managed to get the highlighter pen functionality working to make the scanner populate with PDF, the PDF's keywords field with the text that is highlighted. But what I'd really like to do is get some help in how to write an automator script or more likely an Apple script that can run through Hazel uh, to rename the PDF files based on what the keyboards are. He said, in an ideal world, the script would see the words gas bill highlighted prior to scanning find those terms in the PDF keyword field, and then rename the document as gas bill 2009-10, for example. And uh, he says he spent a fair amount of time Googling a possible solution but hasn't managed to cobble something together yet, but he thinks that it, it should at least be possible through the various scripting methods. And it's an intriguing idea.
1: Yeah, so all the Apple script jockeys out there, if you've got an idea, let us know.
0: Yeah, or or just go figure it out and post it somewhere and send us a link.
1: Yeah, that's that would work too. That would work too. Uh, we also heard from Karen, and she had asked about MacWorld.
0: Um, yeah, Karen is going to her first MacWorld. Congratulations, Karen! You will have a blast. Um, and she did hear me say that I had recently changed my travel plans and was asking kind of what are the days to go and, and what's going on at Macworld that is is worth seeing, especially for a newbie. And I think we're probably, I don't know if we can get to it before Macworld, but possibly going to have a Macworld show. Um, well, I know we're going to have a show at Macworld. Can I go ahead and announce that? I guess I just did. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but, yeah let's break it down. Well, first of all, at Macworld on Saturday – at, was it 2 o'clock?
0: I think it's 2 o'clock.
1: Yeah, we but double be check because
0: the- these things are subject to change.
1: Yeah, but it, the, the it, current plan, and we'll have it on the website and probably on our own websites, uh, we're going to be doing a live taping of the Mac Power users on the show floor at Macworld, which I am really excited for. It's, uh, it's really I'm a privilege really terrified for us. for I think it's great. And I think it's a privilege because, you know, first of all, this show really w- was born on the floor of Macworld because Katie and I were talking about this at last year's Macworld. And That's it's true. great that in just a year we've, we've had enough support from the community that uh, they actually are allowing us to go and speak and, and talk about our show and actually record our show right on the floor. So I think it's going to be great. I hope that some of the listeners are there and they will come by and support us and, we'll think of what we're going to do for the show. We haven't really got the content figured out yet, but it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it's going to have it, to be a little bit of a different type of show for Macworld because um, there will be an audience there. And I actually have on my calendar, the show is set to start at 3 o'clock. It's supposed to run from 3 to 3.45. And I think you were thinking 2 o'clock because we set up at
1: 2.45. Okay, well, there you so, have it.
0: But, but double check us. And again, okay. it's kind so, of subject to change. And the yeah. Mac Roundtable will also be at Macworld. So hopefully we'll be able to participate that as well. And that's also on that Saturday.
1: Yeah, and that'll be recording on the morning, I think around 10 o'clock. If right. memory serves.
0: So there's okay. a bunch of different stuff going on at, at Macworld. And it really depends on, do you have an expo pass? Are you just going to the show floor? Or are you doing the conferences?
1: Yeah, I've in the past just done the expo floor and had a great time. Right. There's a lot um, of the vendors that have booths and there's a lot of learn just right there on the floor.
0: And the uh, reason that distinction is important is because Macworld, the expo, or excuse me, the conference actually starts on Tuesday. And you actually have a session on Tuesday. And then the the expo floor itself is open Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So. If you're not involved in the conference track, I mean, unless you have other reasons to be in San Francisco or doing other general sightseeing or catching up with people, there's probably not a really big reason to get there early in the week because the show floor doesn't even open until Thursday.
1: Yeah, if you're just going to do the expo, it starts on Thursday, so you don't need to get there on Tuesday. But uh, the the conference is really good. I mean, there are some really great sessions. There's some very bright people. Uh, going to be there giving sessions. And frankly, the people taking the sessions are really smart too. So there's a lot to learn. If you know, if you want to have a lot of fun with your Mac, I would definitely recommend looking at the various options available for the conference session. Uh, my sessions are going to be, uh, first is I'm going to do one on Tuesday morning. And I will look up the time as we're talking. The, the Tuesday morning one is going to be a numbers lab where everybody in this session is going to have, I think, an iMac in front of them. And I have figured out a way. I'm not going to tell how, but I have figured out a way to make making uh, spreadsheets fun. And it's I've spent a lot of time thinking. I've got a great idea, and it's going to be a blast. At some point, we'll talk about on the show. But for now, I'm just going to teach you. And that's, I believe, a two-hour session, and it is or two and a half-hour session. It's a long one. Oh wow! It's um. So that is on the the ninth of February. At 10 a.m. And when I first heard about the timing, I was a little bummed because I was thinking, well, if they're going to have the keynote, I'm going to miss that because I'm going to be getting ready for the session that morning. But the way they're doing it this year, I won't miss anything because they're going to have all these featured speakers all throughout the week. So I'm going to be able to see most of that. good. Okay. And then the other session I'm doing is, you know, my my private, you know, agenda. I've always been into this Mac at work thing that for me, as soon as I started using a Mac, I was trying to figure out how I could get ahead at work with it. And uh, so I've been hammering on this for years, and I'm excited to say they finally got weak and allowed me to do a session on that. So I'm going to be doing a session on using your Mac at work.
0: Excellent.
1: Uh, uh, these sessions also, I'm going to be doing some kind of warm-ups of them at the local Apple stores and a few other places. As we head to February, I don't want to show up doing it cold. So if you're in the Southern California area and you're interested in seeing some of them, let me know. Just send me an email. and I'll let you know where I'm going to be giving them or portions of them. Cool. Uh, getting back to the Mac Power users, in addition to the show we're going to do on the show floor, which is on February 13, um, we're going to do another show. Hopefully, if all the schedules work out, we're going to get Paul Kent back on, who's the, the president of the Mac World Expo and the guy who really makes it all happen. We had him on a, a few shows ago. Um, we thought we'd bring him back when we're closer and there's more information he can share. And I'm really interested to hear questions from the listeners as well that we can throw at Paul when he comes back. And, Ooh, that's uh, the a good fir- idea. Yeah, the first show was really to get everybody excited about it and to start thinking. That if you are going to go, start making your reservations because you can get good deals now. Um, the second show, I think, is going to be more like for the committed souls. You know, for the people who have said we're going, we're going to talk about things for you to do there, and not only just the official stuff. We're going to talk about the unofficial stuff because half of the fun of MacWorld is not on the formal schedule.
0: All right, and, and folks, I'll tell you, as someone who did not go to MacWorld for years. Because, you know, it was too expensive or I was too busy or there were other things going on. And and certainly understand you you have to be considerate of, of those issues. And, you know, it, it's not going to Macworld. It's not fun going to Macworld if you have to go and get into debt and all of that other stuff. But um, it has been some of the most fun that I have had these past couple of years going to Macworld. And um, I, I will not miss it. And in my interview for my new job, I just said... That's fine, folks, but this is going to be a deal-breaker if you don't let me go. I have a conference in February. So Um, it it has been that much fun to go to Macworld. And if you're on the fence, if you're thinking about it, if you're able to do it, just do it. Just pull the trigger on it and and, uh, start making your accommodations and your flights now because as we get into the holidays, it's only going to get more expensive.
1: Yes, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, if if you're listening to this show, I guarantee you're going to have fun at Macworld. Right. (laughs) it's it's a great time okay so i think we're kind of done with the comments uh what's the next show
0: next show is uh this one's your baby it's on scrivener
1: yeah i was listening to that word processor episode and i listened to me uh talk about scrivener and it was the most delicious set of incoherent rambling i think i've ever heard in the history of podcasting i I just didn't really explain it very well And there's a lot of people who really love this Scrivener app. And I've been getting emails from some of them saying, you know, you should have talked about this. You should have talked about that. So I think we're going to do an episode where we're kind of doing more of a lab type mentality. we're going to have maybe even another user um, come on or may. I don't know who we're going. We may have a guest or two as we talk about Scrivener. And we're going to get into deep how exactly we use it and, and why it's so great. You know, I think it's a $39 app or something. So, you know, people are saying, well, what do I really need that for if I already have pages? So we're going to go through and kind of make the case for Scrivener and how we use it in more detail. Right. So uh, we'll do that. And hopefully, uh, like the last episode where we talked about word processing, we're going to get people saying it was our best episode. And we're going to get people saying it was our worst Hopefully uh if you're interested in this kind of thing, this episode will give you something to uh to think about and maybe grow on
0: yeah you know people seem to I was nervous, but people seem to like the uh the one topic episodes, yeah, so we'll see yeah. and you well, know, it is okay. a one
1: topic show you know it,
0: you know if if you don't there's always an episode coming up,
1: yeah, that's why you know I would say that generally sometimes I get email from listeners saying, well, i I don't like that episode and that was bad. why did you do that and I you know I could show them the emails from the people that really liked it. And I appreciate that. And I know your time's valuable. And if you look at the topic and think you have no interest in it, that's okay with me. Just pass on by there's other podcasts out there, but just, yeah. but
0: download check it them. first. We like it when you yeah. download
1: it at least. <laughs> yeah, that, that does help. And, uh, but also, you know, there'll be another one for you later. And those people who, who like the Scrivener episode, but, uh, may not like that one we do for you. So hang in there with us. And, uh, uh, we have a plan.
0: Sounds good. All right. Where can you find us? Uh,
1: the best place is at macpowerusers.com, our website.
0: You can find links to our uh, iTunes there. We're also listed in the iTunes store. And uh, we're on Twitter, slash macpowerusers.
1: Yes, we are. iTunes comments are appreciated. I uh, I did something that was remarkably narcissistic.
0: Uh-oh. I I did you print them out and frame them again?
1: No, <laughs> no. But I was at my my mother's house, oh, who's boy. eighty, and she, you know, to her computers are not something that she's ever been interested in. And I was trying to. She was asking me, "What is this podcast? What does that mean?" So I showed her the website, and then I showed her the comments, and oh, she just loved her little son. Oh. So just remember, if you're going to write something bad about me, my mother might be reading.
0: There you go. There you go. Um, so I do want to mention kind of while we're on the topic of uh, of, of contact information that um, I definitely want, want to plug David's blog again, but I also want to let you know that that some of my stuff where you, you may have been used to seeing me in the past has changed. Um, uh, my podcasting co-host, co-host Corey Sirens and I over at the Mac Corps actually recorded our last episode of the Mac Core a couple of weeks ago, and that is in the feed. And you know, it, it was just it, it'd been a great run, and um, you know, time to move on to do other things. Corey has got a uh, a very interesting podcast that he is working on called Mac Sliders, and you can find his information. Um, and I'm still going to be doing the Mac Power Users and the Mac Roundtable, and I am also going to try to dip my toe into this blogging thing. Um, not really sure what I'm gonna say. I'm, um, but I am looking forward to uh, you know kind of having this this other forum to just kind of say what I want and, and share some of my thoughts on Mac and technology related topics. And uh, it's very much a work in progress. At right now, it's pretty much a landing page, but you can find that at katiefloyd.me. And um, so you know, stick it in your RSS feed, stick it in your bookmarks, and and we'll see what happens with that.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited about that, Katie. Since I saw that you went right to my RSS list. You're also now linked at Max Sparky. Oh, so well thank you. I am. Um, I, I think it's great that you've got that and I, I'm curious to see what you do with it. So.
0: Well, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and then David, you've of course, what are you up to over at Max Sparky these days?
1: Uh you know, I'm just like always, you know, a little bit of punditry. Um I'm still doing a lot of review work on there and uh you know, I just have a great time. Uh, you know, the posting schedule is Uh, has an inverse relationship to the amount of work I have at the, you know, at the day job. So sometimes I get more up in a week than other times, but, uh, the whole thing, you know, Max Sparky really is where it all started for me. And it's, it's, I, I will always, you know, keep that blog going and, uh, write the things I do on there. And I just had a great time with it. And I really appreciate everybody who reads it. And I know that it's, uh, it's read because when I don't post for a few days i start getting emails and and i love that that makes me feel good that i know that some people get a smile reading the stuff i put up there
0: good deal all right well david it's been fun as always and uh uh, hopefully we've we've given some people some good tips on how to buy and sell their macs
1: yeah i've had a a good time doing this one with you thanks for taking the the uh, lion's share of work on putting this outline together katie and I now have to go get that Mac SE out of the garage and figure out what I need to do to get it working for my daughter.
0: Yeah, let us know how that works out for you.
1: Okay, I will. (laughs) See you all next time. All right.